Welcome to the Perimenopause Power Podcast. We are Lisa and Natalie, two certified holistic health coaches passionate about helping women embrace their physiology to elevate their highest potential for confidence, health and energy. Perimenopause will be unique to you and each episode gives you the power in knowing that you can define your own journey. Let's get into today's episode. Well, hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Perimenopause Power. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Nat. How are we today? I am going really great. And how exciting. We've got our first international guest on our podcast. Woohoo! Yes. And it's funny because I was looking at our reach with the podcast and we have quite a big UK reach and our guest is from the UK and we have uh, Barbara Hamilton Bruce who is head of client and business operations at Simmons and Simmons Solutions Limited an international law firm and Barbara has been pivotal in bringing bringing menopause awareness and education to her workplace in the UK hello Barbara hello Natalie and Lisa delighted to be with you thank you so much for having me on and we're delighted to have you on We are, and we first, I guess, our paths crossed at a recent presentation we gave for your global cafe, She Breaks the Law, and we were instantly taken by the work that you're doing over in the UK within your workplace, and we both said, oh, we should really try and get Barbara on and and share the experience because not just around menopause as a phase of life for women, there's a lot of learning to be had for workplaces too and, and the community also. So we're thrilled to have you here. We love in your LinkedIn profile that uh, you've got yourself listed as a menopause champion and uh, we'd love to hear from you a little bit about your passion for bringing this phase of life into workplaces and, and your workplace in particular. Yeah, it it was quite a big step to kind of put menopause champion on a LinkedIn profile. I have to say there was I I, I did sort of um, have to think about it for a few weeks, but it was really important for me to do that as part of the, you know, the, the continuing contribution to raising the profile. Um, but my so my passion really comes from my from my personal story. Um, I experienced the menopause aged 40. Um, it came hot on the heels of the birth of my second child. Um, very soon after having, having her, I realized that nothing was going back to the way it used to be. Um, but as you can imagine, sort of in the first year of a second child, you know, being what the uh, NHS love to term a geriatric mother. Uh, <laughs> so charming, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that, that um, you know, work and children and you know all of these things going on I knew that I wasn't feeling right but I didn't know why um there were times when I thought I was like had early onset Alzheimer's Mm. my memory was so impacted but as you can imagine you know slight sleep deprivation (laughs) all of those kind of things um and I was totally and utterly unprepared for menopause or perimenopause as, as it was. was. Um, and my GPs discounted it early on. I was too young um, to experience the menopause. But one thing that I have learned over the course of, you know, my own education is no woman is too young to experience the menopause. Mm-hmm. It, whilst we talk in averages for menopause, 45 to 55, there are, you know, is an increasing number of women who will experience it so much earlier, whether it's um, uh, 
POI, so ovarian insufficiency, treatment for cancer, hysterectomies, um, or people like me who just fall into that category of having experienced it earlier, but for no reason. But the reason why, obviously, I've carried on, you know, really wanting to champion it is because my experience also coincided with a significant step up in my career. I had got the job that I had been working so hard for. I, I loved my job. I absolutely adored it. And I had all of this amazing institutional knowledge about the business I was working within. I was sharp as anything. <laughs> but actually, what I was finding is that my my sort of ability to recall information in the moment. So I could have been speaking to you, Natalie and Lisa, and 10 minutes later, I wouldn't be able to remember what your name was. Uh, you know, and I was having to kind of do this weird sort of mind mapping to try and recall the information. But it would be, you know, forgetting your name is not inconsequential, but it, that piece, but it would be my performance in that moment in front of an audience where I can't remember the name, you know, your name was starting to have an impact. And it started to, in, it started to impact my confidence, you know, really did start to knock my confidence at a point when I should have been absolutely flying. And beyond that, I just didn't feel well. Um, so when I started at Simmons and Simmons about three years ago, um, I can remember uh, as part of the inductions being spoken to by um, the senior partner who was talking about the challenge of gender within law firms. It's a particular area of, uh, you know, a particular area where we know that we struggle to retain women um, throughout the life cycle of employment. More women in the UK are entering the legal profession, but it is far from representative at the top levels within, within law firms. And I was thinking to myself, you know, hold on a minute, but we're not talking about menopause. Um, and it was really from there that I, I started to think, actually, if we're not talking about it, how can we ever do anything about it? It's interesting because that conversation that, um, that raised the, the gender um, conversation obviously they didn't make that, that connection between menopause and retaining women. And we still, we see that so much. And there's so many light bulbs that seem to go off with the number of people that we talk to and they go, oh yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Like, mm -hmm. it's amazing how much, um, you know, how much of an impact it is. But, you know, you talked about loving your job, but, and the job that you were looking forward to and, you know, it was the job that you'd obviously been aiming for and the confidence that, um, you know, the confidence um, hit that it takes. It's just such similar things, you know, that we hear all the time. It's really, really sad, isn't it? It's, um, mm. it's a real blow, I suppose, because you're so used to operating in a certain way and then, bang, these things come out of the blue and you don't, you're not educated or you're not prepared for it. Yeah, yeah. And I think it, it's the sort of the education of self as well as the education of the businesses that you're you're within mm. which is you know the first thing I had to do was understand what was going on with me before I could even come close to kind of mm. working out what was going on in in the workplace um and I also had some kind of some some relatively interesting but now becoming better understood joint issues mm. which actually ended up with three lots of surgery uh, on my shoulder joints and you know again so so sort of beyond the not seen um you know mm -hmm. brain fog and so on and so forth I was actually sort of for, for a period of two years carrying around these kind of quite physical um mm -hmm. what I would actually define as injury like bodily injuries mm -hmm. which were which were 
just excruciatingly painful, um, which then just contributed to the sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. They they made my hot flushes appear to be worse. Um, so so there is this kind of split between actually some real physical manifestations mm-hmm. of of this you know, your body just doing stuff to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, educating myself about me um, has been, well, dare I say, a bit of an education. So mm, mm, Definitely. And, and I have to say that is the number one thing that we always say to the workplaces, particularly when we start to broach this subject to businesses and present our work and why this is a workplace issue that we should be looking at and and bringing awareness to and they say well where do you start and we always say the first place we need to start is educating the woman herself because Mm -hmm. sadly and probably unbelievably to them a lot of women don't know what this phase of life is about many don't even know the word perimenopause let alone what it is or why we go through it so to hear you say that is it's just yeah epitomizes sort of our tacting yes definitely have to educate the woman because only then can she then really truly understand what support she needs and even if she needs support from the business Mm. you know so yeah Yeah, and in in my circumstances um I I I did seek support I mean I found it very very uncomfortable to talk about because there was also a um being 40 there was also a little bit of a sense of loss as well that I experienced Mm. that whilst um you know i I was very happy to stop at having two children. There was that what I was being presented with her is, you know, that's it, you're done. You know, your work mm-hmm. is done here. And so there was a little bit of a, a sense of feeling like my, my, you know, my choice, my body's taken my own choices away from me. So there was a little bit of almost grieving, I think, coming to terms with that. But I did go and seek HR support because what I wanted was, what I felt I needed was a relatively simple piece of support, which was I was often the only woman in the room that, you know, that was the reality of my day job. And I wanted to take some breaks during meetings. I wanted to have a bit of ventilation in the meetings. I wanted to be able to just say, I need a break. Like, and <laughs> yeah. um, because we would have these meetings that would just go on forever. <laughs> mm. Um and, you know, I approached the HR person and, you know, said I need to share something. And their response was, um, well, you've had your babies. And that was it. Like, it, and, it and I never spoke about it again until I joined Simmons and Simmons because oh. it was so shut down. And, I, you know, on a quite a vulnerable ask to be told, like dismissed, that, you know, that was kind of all the signal that I needed to do was to kind of reinforce that I just couldn't talk about this in the mm. workplace. So that that first interaction that any woman has in the workplace, sharing, giving away, you know, a really vulnerable piece of information about themselves, that immediate response is so important, you know. And you could say that for any interactions that you have in life, but particularly in the workplace, when you are feeling vulnerable and you go for help to be shut down, even in just a small sentence is you know, turn, turns people away. Um, and as I said, you know, I, I think when we, we, we in the conversation you, you heard me on, the menopause was not the reason why I left that employer, but it was the reason why I had nothing left to give. Mm, mm. <laughs> I, you know, um, so it, it, these things contribute. They might not be the single, single reason, but they contribute. Yeah. How long did you 
how long before you sort of had that conversation and, you know, and then, that, you know, that sort of probably was, you know, added to the reasons as to why you le left. Did you, were you there for a little while longer, Barbara, or did you, yeah? Yeah, I, I, I was. And I think, I think um, in terms of navigating, so I had, you know, had a young family, mm. I was in the business, I was trying to find my way in this kind of, you know, in my new body. And I was also trying to, to challenge my GPs to give me HRT because when I first um, when it was first kind of re recognized that um, I was menopausal they my GP wouldn't give me HRT because I had migraines I suffered from migraines so I was kind of just trying to focus on how could I get the support that I needed to to feel well and in the end, you know, I think it took me about three years of kind of toing and froing from the GP. Mm. And what actually did finally convince them that HRT had to be the right solution for me as a bone scan that showed I had had, um, I, I think the term is osteo osteopenia in yeah. my in my my pelvis. So, so the fact that I had sort of hit the menopause so early meant that my bones were already suffering mm. and actually weighing up the risk from I think it was a stroke risk that they were worried about mm -hmm. versus bone risk. And that's when I, I finally got on a, to HRT. And, you know, within a space of two weeks, I started to feel better. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I would say is like in my journey, so what is it? It's 11 years now of that, that kind of journey. I'm not sure how I'm meant to feel. <laughs> it's my, you know my better? I know that I feel better. Yeah. yeah. I have no sense. I have no measure of what, you know, what good feels like at 51 years old, but mm. I know that I feel better. Yeah. Um, so actually, so, so I think these kind of these, the, these little journeys that we're all going on are never, they're never linear. You know, we, we, we're dealing with things and I know that I've got colleagues and friends who are also experiencing the menopause whilst caring for elderly parents mm. you, you know raising teenagers as, as as I am so there's a complex bucket of stuff going on in lives at at this particular stage mm. it's hard enough it's hard enough to navigate near the line with all of these and, and to and to have these you know things put in your way each you know three years before you were able to get onto HRT and all that kind of thing um yeah it makes it very hard mm. Mm, definitely. We'd love to know, um, can you provide our listeners with some, some of the things that you've done to help get this conversation started in your workplace today? Yeah, so we, um, we started the conversation in our gender network. Um, so that that was kind of the initiative. And in fact, actually, it wasn't the first time that menopause had been raised at Simmons and Simmons. There had been an, a, a, you know, a piece of work done about three or four years prior to this. And it didn't land in, in, in any way, shape or form. And I think that there's something to be said about the timing. So when we were the first, the very first thing that we did is we realized that um, this education piece was so important. We had to go back to basics and had to start with educating the workplace. Um, so we ran an internal webinar supported by two awesome um, medical professionals, Kathy Abernathy, who is the ex-chair um, of the British Menopause Society, and Dr. Rebecca Lewis from Newsom um, Clinics, which is um, in the UK. And I think now the largest menopause, uh, dedicated menopause um, clinic in the world, possibly. <laughs> um, and we we did a, a, this webinar, which was really about educating 
why we need to talk about menopause. So giving their experience, you know, longstanding practitioners. Um, and then at the same time as running that webinar, we, we launched um, a master, we call the, the thing Mastering the Menopause. That's, that's the banner that we put it under. On our wellbeing page, we stuffed it full of as many resources as we could find from everything from, you know, facts, lawyers love facts, <laughs> all the way over to kind of really holistic, um, you know, yoga kind of alternative therapies so that we try to create this really rich set of resources that people could go to to then be inspired to go and find their own search and so we would have some podcasts we had the daisy network which is the poi uh, network um and yeah so so really we started like pushing information out into the business um and then over the over that summer, following on from that webinar, we ran some smaller, more discreet sessions. Um, so there was one on sleep, which wasn't there for them just for the menopause. There were lots of exhausted parents who turned up to that particular session. One on menopause nutrition, and then we won um, a, a much smaller session with a a GP specialist where people could come and ask specific questions of the GP because the challenge with running webinars is that you can't go into specific medical medical advice whereas that that did and that's where we then started talking about what is it that that people need from the business um, so we started to then kind of ask people to tell us what what they needed um, and from that we we got a really clear steer that a policy was needed and obviously in the workplace um you know there can be a bazillion policies and we what we didn't want was this to be another piece of paper that meant nothing but the feedback that we got is that we could have visions guidance but a little bit like the highway code guidance is there to be ignored um and a policy felt like something much more tangible like a real statement of intent from the business about how the business was going to respond and support individuals. So the work on that policy started, and actually, you know, concurrently with that was also the whole, it needs to be simple, it needs to enable. Um, and then we, you know, we decided the next thing was to go to clients, um, was to, to, to actually raise our head above the parapet and take the conversations that we were having internally out to our client networks. Um, and we ran a webinar um, in the November that was um, supported by, again, Kathy Abernathy came along from a medical point of view to, to make sure that we were putting good content from a medical perspective. But we were able to um, talk to Standard Chartered Bank, who had just released the most wonderful research with the Fawcett Society. And it was very focused on the financial services sector. But it would essentially came away with a 25% statistic. So 25% of women um, within the financial services um, are downgrading their roles, reducing their hours, not taking the next promotion, and are thinking about leaving because of the menopause. So it was a really impactful, evidence-based um, piece of research that we, we were able to take out and push out into our client network to, to really engage on the conversation. Did you get buy-in from most, most, if not all, of your clients, Barbara? How did how was that received? Um, so I think um, I, I I couldn't say that everybody was interested. Mm. I mean, you know, Simmons is is an international law firm with a diverse book of clients. Um, but what we we did find is that our 
we've got very good close links through our gender network with gender networks in other businesses. Mm. And that's really where the engagement came from is that through, it was really through that network that, that the webinar really landed. Um, and we, there were, there were people who were joining, who we knew, know were more advanced in their discussions. Um, and there were people who uh, were at the start of their journey of introducing so so the learning from each other has been immense and I go to lots of different things where I learn from different businesses um, and one of our speakers on our webinar um, was from GSK and was talking about really the privilege of being a white woman behind a desk in the UK introducing menopause policies and when you are in a global sort of business like GSK the challenge of how do you support a woman in a hazmat suit working on cutting edge vaccines who is experienced perimenopause mm. you know or in displaced workplaces you know who who don't have the center of an office to go to for, for support so the sort of democratization of support you know really became a bigger subject for us after that webinar because we it, we broadened our own view of what we were talking about by reference to our clients um Mm, yeah, very true. We had um, a, a Dr. Kerry and Hughes, her name is, and she's based in New Zealand, and she's doing some international research um, around nurses' experience of menopause. And it was it's that similar sort of thinking that, you know, these nurses are in their PPE gear. When, when they're on, they've got to be on and, you know, they don't get that opportunity to have that breather or to step out. And um, it, it does. It definitely when you hear people from other industries or industries that are perhaps not traditional, you know, in an office, it does. It, it broadens your horizons to think, wow, you know, this this topic and the impact of these symptoms is, is huge across mm. a broad yeah. range of industries. Indeed. And um, uh I ran a webinar yesterday where I had Kate Muir speaking. She, she's the creator and producer behind the Davina McCall series. And she um, published an article in The Guardian this week in recognition of World Menopause Day. And she did a piece of research that was focused on nursing in the UK, because what she wanted to do was she wanted to push the economic agenda, um, because there are different messages that resonate with different different people in different ways for some it's all about well-being for some about it's the business case for some actually it is the economic you you know different people receive different messages in different ways and what what Kate was able to say is actually in the UK going to the nursing community where the pay structure is known and public you can actually do numbers you can yeah. talk about you know the impact of people exiting it means x y and z if you think 20 percent of women in this bracket are leaving there's a there's a number that you can put to it mm. and I think this this increasing kind of focus to drill down into not just the symptoms but also the impact in different ways in different countries mm. in different sectors is really empowering mm. um, and that diversity of kind of different voices yeah just just fantastic.
Mm, so powerful and I actually connected with a woman today who she's from Southeast Asia and she does a bit of work uh, in the menopause space and particularly around grief and trauma and she spoke about you know her passion for menopause is the fact that from where she's from women who are coming into perimenopause menopause uh, you know revered they're seen for their wisdom and their experience and she said living in a western culture she said it just it blows my mind, the differences. So mm-hmm. she said, I want women to understand that, you know, there's wisdom and experience that comes from this phase. So it's, again, it's another diversity across different um, cultures, most definitely. Yeah, it's quite powerful. Barbara, you, you've touched on some of it, but can you provide, um, you know, some more details to our listeners of some of the things you've done to help get the conversation started in your workplace? Yeah, so I think I think around sort of the different areas of engagement. I mean, there are there's the stuff that we've done on a big level um, mm. in terms of like those webinars that have been available. Um, there's been activity. So one of the things we were really keen to do as well was to benchmark where we started as a business. Um, uh, I come from a bit of the business that is kind of innovation focused. Uh, data driven so I wanted to be able to be in a position to to not analyze but to be able to track the impact of what is essentially a change program Um, it's a cultural change program within Simmons Um, so some of the work that we've been doing around that is keeping that conversation going by finding opportunities to present information back into the business and keep that engagement going so um I think it's fair to say that not everybody wants to talk about menopause, yep. um, you know, and that that sort of journey along the way has been trying to better understand the reasons why people don't want to engage. So it should come as no surprise to me that people, that women don't want to talk about the menopause. Um, you can't simply expect because you're talking to a group of women about something that impacts women, that they'll want to engage on that. Mm. So some of the activity has been around Dealing with, um, dealing with the pushback around we shouldn't be talking about menopause. It's not a workplace issue. Um, some of that has been about talking around um, people's fears about talking about menopause. It's another reason why people won't promote us. Please don't make us more vulnerable. You know, don't give them another reason to dot, dot, dot. And I think the other thing, you know, the other big sort of section of conversation, and these are very small, often one-on-one conversations, has been around actually women facing the fact that menopause means that they are aging. And and our kind of societal response, as you've just mentioned, in the Western world, women are not revered Mm -hmm. for gaining another year in age. So there has been a little, you know, some of that about how how do you position and how do you respond or prepare yourself for going out as a menopause champion potentially talking to people about something that they don't want to be hearing but how do you how do you help other people get comfortable get get comfortable with with Mm. owning that um and it is you know it's very it's really personal every time I talk about it I'm giving away something of myself yeah um and I think that's recognizing other people, even engaging in what may seem to be a negative way, like I don't want to talk about it, we shouldn't be communicating to X office because dot, dot, dot. Even in that 
kind of what feels like negativity is an opportunity for engagement because even negative engagement is engagement yeah yeah <laughs> um so seeing all the stuff that we're doing within the organization as being you know it's not going to be a workplace epiphany where we all work up tomorrow and go that's it we've got menopause covered mm. <laughs> we're done here um because it because it involves so many human facets um that that, that we're dealing with so um, so, yeah, there's never a dull day when you're talking about menopause, that's for sure. <laughs> no, absolutely not. No, it's, yeah, it's, uh, that's incredible insights into what you've done and, and the way that you've approached it. And, and most definitely that you're going to always get two sides of the coin, aren't you? Some women are going to be very open, others are not. And it's it's respecting that, but then also understanding why as, as well. So, yeah, really powerful. We spoke before we hit record about the UK and we've mentioned and, and say very often that Australia are probably five to ten years behind the UK when it comes to menopause conversations and awareness and you mentioned earlier that you know timing is really everything how have you seen the evolution of menopause as a topic um in the uk how have you seen that evolve over the years um i mean i i think in in the time that i've been sort of aware of the subject (laughs) um it, it has changed beyond belief really from a absolute silence on the subject um to you know we started our conversations in the march and i just happened to read a piece of a pre-release piece of information talking about the davina mccall series you know obviously for those who are not you know familiar with uk tv channel four big brother you know has always had a kind of edgy Mm. um edgy kind of broadcasting approach um and so knowing that the Davina series was about to launch, it, it launched the week before the webinar that I, the first webinar that I ran was a way of kind of connecting into with, you know, we're not talking about in isolation, there's this thing going on over here, you know. <laughs> mm. um, and I think that's a sort of the fact that we are, we're talking about it in our parliament. So Carolyn Harris MP has been a wonderful warrior advocate of, you know, getting the subject in front of parliament um you know the all parliamentary group has been debating and been talking about you know what does the uk need to do to get you know to get further forward in its activity there has been really healthy um debate and sharing of information about um the democratization of health services for women um and I, I just kind of put a little bit of a note to myself really about my own experience of kind of health services the NHS in the UK is brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. But I did get a little sense that after I'd had my babies, that they were kind of done with me. Mm. <laughs> you know, we have this wonderful service all the way up until, you know, we have our babies. The, you know, post-maternity care is absolutely fantastic. But it was like, no, we, we're done with you now. <laughs> We've got nothing more to offer. So I, I was talking to a colleague yesterday who's based in a different area of the UK to me. Her GP surgery has set up a menopause clinic. Like, wow. <laughs> you know, so so I think these kind of societal changes, um, we're starting to see um, menopause adverts. So, you know, Boots, which is a, a you know, massive pharmacy, mm-hmm. has produced a menopause-specific skincare range. Now, query whether or not we've become a new target yeah well I think there is a bit of that happening most definitely but at least they're thinking of us right 
<laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, it's starting to become in mainstream advertising yeah. in a way. And I think that normalization, yes. not suggesting that everywhere you go, the menopause is, is there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, people are starting to get comfortable in talking, in doing, and therefore it just becomes more prevalent in society. So, so you, you know, I do do really feel like we're in the UK, certainly, we're in a revolution. We're ex- start, really experienced a revolution in women's healthcare um, because of this greater emphasis on whole life care. And, you know, the, the subjects around the link between HRT and Alzheimer's, the, the science that's going into better understanding. There is so much good stuff going on. Like you talked about the research with the with the nurses and it's you know as one of one of the um people who attended this session that I ran yesterday said there is so much to be angry about here but also so much Mm. to be heartened about and Mm. I I really agree with that sentiment um so yeah (laughs) Mm, that that is so true because you look back at the way that they test and the way that they do different things it was always run by men on men or on male rats and it's yeah it's you you can get caught up in the my goodness I can't believe this how dare they just completely neglect women and our bodies but then it's like okay you know what there's an opportunity here for change and an opportunity to forge a new path for those women coming after us as well so you're so right yeah I, I really agree and I think this kind of point on legacy um, you know, because when it gets tough, and I'm sure you you guys encounter it, you know, talking about menopause and trying to bring about change is not always the easiest subject to, to, to mm-hmm. be working on. <sighs> you know, oh, why am I even bothering you? <laughs> you know, those days where you doubt. But actually, that legacy is so important. And I think everybody I've come across who is campaigning or championing, it's about bringing about change that's not necessarily going to impact today or next week or next month, it's that legacy of change that they're really pushing for. And that that's massively empowering mm. um, for the individuals involved, but also the communities that they're working within as well. So I love that, that legacy of change that you've just summed it up beautifully. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so very true. Mm. So, um, I'll go, Nat. You go, Lise. I was just going to say, Barbara, um, we're coming to the end of the, the, the podcast. It's been so wonderful just chatting with you and we we asked this question of all our guests so this podcast is all about power and finding nurturing and using um your personal power as as you transition through life phases in perimenopause and beyond and we'd love to know from you what does coming into your power mean to you that's such a great question <laughs> i feel like i could go on a walk and think about this for for <laughs> <laughs> but you want an answer now don't you <laughs> um so I think for me I think I think coming through this experience is really realizing and remembering that I do have power because for a long time I felt like I didn't um like you know to some extent my body had taken over or I'd, I'd just become a reduced almost reduced <laughs> Um, in many ways I sort of lost my voice in my ability to kind of I I didn't know who I was and what I stood for really anymore I really sort of um, you know felt a little bit lost Um, so this work and I you know I think in terms of the work I'm doing around menopause and the work that I get to contribute to 
and the people I get to work with has made me realize that I do have power. I, I do have the opportunity to bring around change. And I'm a, I'm a change practitioner in my day, my day job. Um, so actually realizing that I have the chance to use those skills to, to bring around real change, it's so rewarding. Mm. I'm also recognizing that I'm coming, you know, I'm in a stage of my life where my, my children are growing up. They're becoming more independent, sometimes too independent, but that's a different podcast. And whether, um, we're, whether, whether we're prepared for it, we're not really sure. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You know, where I'm started, you know, more comfortable in my body. I feel well. I feel like I understand, you know, I might not always like what's going on with my, my body, but I feel like I know it now. Um, I've made some peace with it. Um, and I, I just feel like I've, I'm in a good place. Um, and that's quite something, um, you know, dare I say it, the wisdom of the experiences that I've gone through and having the chance to take some space and find out, you know, more about myself, I know what I don't want anymore. <laughs> I think, mm, you know, so, so sometimes true. that, you know, that, that when you think back to those kind of teenage years, those twenties, those years of, you know, who am I? What do I want? Well, you know, I still don't know who I want to be when I grow up, but <laughs> I know what I don't want to be, <laughs> yeah. which is enormously yeah. empowering. Oh, I resonate so much with them. That's such a powerful way to end um, the podcast. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful response. And, you know, here you thought you needed to go for a long walk for that response. But, you know, it really epitomizes what this podcast is about, is about empowering women that they can come into their power and uh, they actually do have a lot of power as well. So thank you so much, Barbara. This, this has been a fabulous conversation and I could actually listen to you talk all day about what you're doing and, and your passion and the work. It's, yeah, it's fabulous. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. And, and just to, one thing you just said is that remembering that I do have power because for a long time I didn't. And I think that's just, it really brings everything together for, for women listening to the podcast that they do have power and don't forget that they, you know, it hasn't gone anywhere. We've just got to sometimes rediscover it. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks again for sharing your time with us, learning how you can be your best energetic self, no matter what life stage you are going through. Be sure to contact us if any of this content resonates with you. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any of our future episodes. See you next time.